scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains." that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we've come to the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we've learned many things as we've taken this journey together. Uh, But there has been one theme that has uh, really surfaced throughout this letter. And the one theme is that we are in Christ. Everything comes back to the fact that we are now in Christ. Christ. The first two chapters, we learned how God has taken us from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ and what that looks like and how he did that. Uh, In chapters three and four, we we learned how the gospel produces unity within the church family and affects how we live our lives. And then in chapters five and going into chapter six, we learned how the gospel informs how we treat our spouses, how we treat our children, our parents. Uh, how we treat those with whom we work. And now we have one final exhortation by the Apostle Paul in the latter verses of chapter 6. And he writes these words, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally. He's coming to the end. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And then Paul goes on to answer two questions for us. The The first question he answers is, Why should we be strong in the Lord? And the second question is how to be strong in the Lord. And so let's seek to tackle that first question. Why should we be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might? Well, the answer can be found in verses 11 and 12. He says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the reason why we should stand strong is because we need to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the schemes basically means the methods, you know, what, what the devil uses to, to tempt us to embrace a decision or a way of life contrary to the will of God. And so uh, one thing we need to note, though, is when we start talking about the devil and, and demons and all these other terms that Paul uses to describe this evil spiritual realm, uh, there are two extremes that we can kind of fall into, and both are not very helpful. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So on one extreme, Lewis says that we can fall into this uh, magician mentality. In other words, everything that happens, every evil act the devil, a demon is behind it. You know, you're trying to find a demon behind every rock. You know, it's this idea that, you know, it's the mindset, the devil made me do it. You know, the devil is so active and so powerful that he's just accomplishing all these things. And even your own sin, you're blaming on the devil. And the problem with that mindset is it takes the responsibility away from you, doesn't it? And that's unhealthy. Because the devil can't make you do anything if you're a believer in Christ. Because Christ has gained the victory over all power and authority. And so you don't have to do anything the devil wants you to do. If you do it, that's your fault. <laughs> it's my fault. You know, you choose to do it. Now he can tempt you. There can be influence. But he can't choose for you. And so on the one hand, the extreme is that we just give too much credit. Too much authority to the idea of uh, devils and demons and the evil spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Okay, On the other extreme is what Lewis calls the materialist mentality. It's this idea that they just don't exist. There is no such thing as the devil, uh, a personal being that is bent on evil. Uh, there's no such thing as that in demons. It's just the kind of human structures and humanity's decisions to do evil. That's what's really going on here, and, and there's really no such thing. And Lewis says both extremes are equally pleasing to the devil because... They both equally misrepresent who he is and uh, cause us to be um, unguarded, so to speak, against his methods. And so both of those extremes are uh, against what I would say would be the biblical position, which means there is a presence of evil beings that wield influence in the world. However, you must keep that in check with the fact that Jesus has conquered all things, that he is the king. And there is no authority above his authority in the spiritual realm. And so that if you are in Christ, then you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. In other words, you have the power to say no. Paul, called, Paul describes it this way. You're being filled with the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God. You don't have to give in to the Spirit of the world or the Spirit of the evil one, right? And so in Christ... Don't give too much credit to the devil and demons. You have a power within you that is greater than the power that is within the world. 
And so you have the power to do what God wants you to do. So why should we uh, be strong in the Lord? Continually be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Why? Because the devil, evil spiritual forces, your own flesh, and even the world is trying to present you with ideas that will carry you away from the will of God. In other words, you know, the devil, the demonic realm, even the world, they want you to treat your spouse wrongly. They want you to treat your children wrongly. Treat your parents wrongly. They want you to, to treat the people you work with wrongly. All those arenas that Paul just addressed, that we need to be filled with the Spirit and to live out our lives according to the will of God in a way that honors and represents God well. And so why should we be strong in the Lord? Because throughout the day, each and every day, we face a battle of ideas. It is an unseen battle, right? You can't see it because it's invisible. It's internal. It's a battle within the innermost parts of yourself. But it is a battle nonetheless. You know, there's a book that came out several years ago called Ideas Have Consequences. You know, when something bad happens, really evil that happens, we see it on the news, one of the first things we ask is, why did he do that? Why did she do that? Because we know the battle begins in the mind and then fleshes itself out through the body. You know, the body's the tool. The body's a good thing, but it is a tool of the mind and the heart. And so it begins with the battle of ideas, and that's where Satan battles us the most, is this internal battle of ideas. And so why should we be strong in the Lord? Because we are in a battle. And these ideas that the evil one presents and tries to influence us to embrace and tempt us with is to live against the will of God as it relates to our family life, our church life, our community life, our work life, um, and how we treat one another. So Paul says that we need to be strong and stand against those ideas, which leads to the second question, right? Well, how do we do that? We know we need to be strong. We need to access the, the power that God has given us so that we can do, do life the way He wants us to do life. But the question is, well, how do we do it? Well, Paul tells us in verse 13. He says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which is every day. <laughs> right? I mean, this battle is ongoing. Uh, that's why you need to be strong in the verb tense there. You need to continually be strong. It's not just be strong in this moment, but continually be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might because we are in this battle. And the way we stand firm is we take up the whole armor of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never put on any armor. Has anyone put on armor before? Okay, we have one. You know, I've never put on armor, I've never walked around armor, and I've never tried to fight anybody in armor. So I'm not real sure how that would be, okay? But I have seen armor, right? We've all seen suits of armor. If nowhere else, we've seen it in the movies, right? And so you kind of picture some of these items he's talking about. Even though I will say, I did play a Roman soldier one time in a Christmas play at church. But that armor was not very strong. But it looked good, I guess. It looked, maybe looked like a... It was a skirt. It was kind of a skirt. It was kind of strange. I didn't know how I felt about that. But anyway, uh, that's the closest thing I've come to wearing, you know, Roman soldier armor. And, you know, when Paul's talking about the armor of God, he's making reference to uh, the armor even mentioned in the book of Isaiah. 
Uh, he's probably looking, he's under house arrest, if you remember, as he's writing this letter. And so he's probably looking at these Roman soldiers who are guarding him. And it probably is prompting these ideas of, of armor and, and how this could play out in the Christian's life. And so uh, even though we may not be very familiar with armor, uh, at least the type of armor he's talking about, it's not hard to understand what he's trying to communicate. You know, what he's trying to tell us is that in order to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, that we need to use the battle gear or the equipment that God has given us. That's, that's what he's telling us. He's saying, you need to use the, the equipment, the battle gear that God has given you to do battle against the evil one and the ideas that present themselves against the will of God. That's simply what he's saying. And so it's also important to notice that the armor is the armor of God. It's God's armor. In other words, he's the one who's given it to us. It's not our armor. We didn't make the armor. God, it's God's armor, and he has given it to us in Christ. So you ha- if you're a Christian, you have this armor. Now, whether you're using it or not, I don't know. You have to just ask that question of yourself. But you have it. It's yours. Just like Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. This power is yours to seek the Lord in all these different areas of life and do battle against the evil one. It's yours. Your armor given to you by God. And Paul lists six pieces of armor that we need to use if we're going to do battle with the evil one as we face his different schemes and these ideas that stand against the Lord. And each piece, if you notice, each piece is listed along with like a divine gift or virtue. And so the first piece that we see is the belt of truth. So obviously the belt portion talks about the literal armor. And then the truth portion refers to what you have access to in Christ. And so the first piece is to put on the belt of truth. And one scholar says that the belt probably refers to the leather apron which hung under the armor and protected the thighs. But what we need to see is that this piece was put on first before any other piece of armor was put on. This piece of armor was put on first, which I think is why Paul mentions it first. And I think it's why Paul calls it the belt of truth. It is the first thing that we put on. And so we must... First, make use of this belt of truth in the battle of ideas. But he's not talking about just any truth. You know, one plus one equals two, that is true. But that's not what he's referring to when he says truth. The way Paul's been using the word truth throughout the letter to the Ephesians is to refer to the truth of the gospel. The truth that God is uniting all things in Christ. The truth that through Christ, God moves a person from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ. It's the gospel. So when he talks about truth there, he's talking about the gospel. And so if you're going to win the battle of ideas, then you must first and foremost understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the first thing you put on as a Christian. The first thing. And if you don't have the belt of truth on, all these other pieces of armor are ineffective. If you don't put this on, the rest of it is a waste of time. And that's why it's mentioned first. It is the most important piece and it gives strength to all the other pieces of armor. And what I've noticed is that's exactly what Christians tend to do. 
is they tend to, at least in my conversations with many, they tend to put on all these other pieces of armor without putting on the belt of truth. For example, you get to the second piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. What do you think is going to happen if you try to put on the breastplate of righteousness without the belt of truth? Now, what does the Bible say about your righteousness apart from Christ? That's filthy rags. If you try to put on your own righteousness without the gospel, you are doomed to failure. I mean, you are going to live a life of motivated by fear, and you're going to, your life is going to be wrought by constant uncertainty as to where you stand with God. Because you never know, am I good enough? And the more I talk to people that say they're Christians, it seems like they're leaning on their own righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ to be accepted by God. In other words, they're not putting on the belt of truth. They're trying to tack on the breastplate of righteousness without the belt of truth, without the gospel. And the problem with this is that on the one hand, it can strengthen your pride. Because if you're having a good day, and you seem to be doing more good than your ne- your, this person next to you, yeah, you can feel pretty good about yourself. I'm doing pretty good. God must really like me today. But then if you're doing something wrong, then it strengthens self-pity. And you feel worthless because you're not doing as good as this other person. See, that's, you're tacking on the breastplate of righteousness without the belt of truth. And that's going to lead to... You will never stand against the schemes of the devil with your own righteousness. It is a worthless piece of armor unless it is tacked on after the belt of truth. Now, with the belt of truth, it becomes a powerful piece of equipment. Right? I mean, if you have the gospel of Christ, if you understand the gospel, you have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That God accepts you, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. And so if you understand that, you've got the belt strapped on, then when you tack on that breastplate of righteousness, you know that you are right with God, then what that does, it begins to propel you forward to actually live out that truth, live out that identity and who you are. And so you're no longer living in fear and uncertainty, you're living in assurance, knowing that you're accepted by God in Christ. And you have this breastplate of righteousness. You are moving forward into your relationships with your spouse and your children and your parents and in your workplace in a way that is yielding to the Spirit of God, asking Him for guidance and leadership as you face these different decisions and in this battle of ideas. The breastplate of righteousness becomes a powerful piece of equipment if it is put on after the belt of truth. The third piece of armor are those shoes. Some of y'all really like shoes. The armor, there's some shoes. And that's the third piece. And they are ready, he says. They're ready to share the gospel of peace. But at the same time, same principle here. If you don't put on the belt of truth, if you don't have it on, you don't have anywhere to go. You have nothing to say, right? I mean, you have the shoes, they're ready to share the gospel of peace. But if you don't understand the gospel, how are you going to walk in that? I mean, what what truth are you going to walk in? How are you going to walk out your relationship with God if you don't understand the gospel of Christ? 
And so you have to have the belt of truth on. If you don't, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to share the gospel with anybody. And when you encounter people that don't know the Lord, you're not going to know what to tell them. Because you may not know yourself. But if you have the belt of truth on, you know the gospel, you know what's true of you in Christ, then when you strap on those shoes, it is that they become tools of transportation to carry you into the world with the assurance of God's acceptance of you in Christ. And now you have something to say. Now you proclaim the message of peace that is found in the good news of Jesus. The fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. Now this shield is not like Captain America's shield. Okay, kind of a small round, even though that's a powerful shield. I know that. This was more of a full body shield uh, so that the soldiers can duck, you know, get behind it. And so when these uh, archers would shoot arrows into the air, and even flaming arrows, which would be kind of scary, they can get behind this shield and it would cover their whole body. And so, especially if you were to uh, drench the shield in water, so even if those you know, enemies would shoot those flaming arrows, you could get behind that shield and as it hits your shield, it would put out the fire. And so this is the shield that Paul is referring to, and it is the shield of faith. And so the shield gains its protective power by being able to trust in the promises of God and see that they actually apply to your life. It's the shield of faith. But what you need to see is without the belt of truth, without the belt of truth, this shield becomes a piece of paper. And so as the fiery arrows come in, it will burn it up. You failed. You have lost that battle. Because you have to realize that you were once alienated from the promises of God. But through Christ you have been brought into the family of God. And now these promises apply to you. And as you realize that, and they begin to, you begin to apply these to your life and say, these are true, of, I am the, I'm a child of God through Christ. These promises apply to me. Then your shield is strengthened. And so as the devil sends these accusations towards you, your shield becomes planted, drenched in the gospel, and it puts out these flaming arrows that are coming towards your way. So it's only through the gospel that the, the construction of the shield of faith is possible. Fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. We all know the purpose of the helmet, right? Protect your head. That's the purpose. And so you want a good helmet, right? Helmets are good. Uh, you know, but here's the thing. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Without the belt of truth. (laughs) Thinking. Thinking that there is salvation under any other name other than Christ. Turns your helmet into a worthless head cover. You have nothing. There is nothing protecting you. If you think that you are made right with God through any other way or method or person other than Jesus. This is why the belt of truth is so important because it sets you up. It it makes these pieces of armor effective and accessible and useful in the battle. So you encounter accusations such as this, you know, how could God ever love you after after what you've done? How are you going to respond to that accusation? Well, 
If you know that you're accepted because of what Jesus has done for you, then your helmet becomes very strong and you're able to repel those accusations of the evil one. Because you know God loves you. He's given His Son for you. And it's through Jesus, through faith in Christ, that you are placed in the family of God. So knowing, this is straight out of Ephesians, knowing that you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That brings great assurance, which I believe is one of the main tools of the helmet of salvation, to bring assurance of your relationship with God through Christ. The sixth piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we've all seen swords. Well, the sword here refers to a short-handled sword. So it's a sword that is meant to be used in close combat. Notice it's not the bow and arrow of the Spirit, you know, which is meant to tackle the battle way over there. No, it's, the, it's a short-handled sword meant to do close combat because that's the reality, Right? I mean, that's, that's true of your life. It's true of mine. We're doing battle in the innermost parts of our souls with these ideas and these temptations. It is an invisible battle, but it is a real battle for every one of us every day, every moment of the day. And so we need something that we can use in close combat. And Paul says it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so, again, the belt of truth, when the belt of truth is in place, the sword becomes a a very accessible weapon against temptation. However, the the sword of the Spirit is like Excalibur. Are you all familiar with Excalibur? You've seen the, or you've read about the sword in the the stone? Well, here's the, the gist of it. Arthur obtained the the British throne by pulling a sword, Excalibur, from an anvil atop a stone that appeared in a churchyard on Christmas Eve. And so the only person that could pull the sword from the stone is one that was divinely appointed. And I was thinking about Excalibur, and I was thinking, you know, the sword of the Spirit is a lot like that. Lots of people have Bibles. But the only people that can pull it out of the stone and wield it are those who have put on the belt of truth. Those who belong to King Jesus. They have access to the sword. They can pull it out of the stone, wield it against the schemes of the devil, and go to victory. So remember that this armor is the armor of God. It's given to you and me, but it's given to us in Christ. Belt of truth, and we have to be in Christ. That's the whole theme of Ephesians, who you are in Christ, what God has done for you in Christ. It is yours. You have this, you have this armor. It's your armor now. But you have to use it. And use it we must if we're going to be strong in the Lord and stand against the schemes of the devil. And lastly, Paul tells us that we need to put on this armor prayerfully. Look at verses 18 through 20. He says, praying at the same, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, you know, prayer is, is a lot like an armor bearer. You know, an armor bearer is one that carries your armor and gives it to you when you need it. And so, when we talk to God in prayer in the midst of decisions in life, that it, we're, you know, we're very mindful of the Lord's leading. We're, we're going to Him in prayer as it concerns these different decisions we are faced with. You know, how we uh, deal with our spouse in this moment or respond to our children or our parents or how we interact with this workplace issue or in our church family. I mean, as we, all these decisions of life, as we spend time in prayer with God, talking to God about these decisions, the armor becomes accessible. You know, prayer is like an armor bearer. He said, here you go, here's what you need. You know, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. You need the shoes. Put your shoes on. Get the sword out. Shield. And when we put the armor on, Paul tells us we can stand firm against those ideas that stand contrary to the will of God. And notice too, he says, not only should we pray for ourselves, but we should make supplication. We should pray for each other because we're all in this together. We're all in a battle. Every one of us, we're in this battle. We struggle every day. We want to make the decisions that, that are honoring to the Lord. We want to treat our spouse in a way that honors the Lord. Our children, our parents, who we work for, who works for us. I mean, every encounter, I mean, we're having this battle, but we're all having the same type of battle as believers. Will we surrender to the Lord's will in this situation, His guidance, or will we give in to the temptation from the evil one? You know, will we embrace the ideas that are contrary to the will of God? And so we need to pray not only for, for ourselves, but for one another. And we need to be alert. We need to be looking. How can we help each other fulfill God's calling in our lives? So what does that mean? Well, how can I help you be the parent God wants you to be? How can you help me be the husband God wants me to be? I mean, we need to be able to come alongside each other. You know, we're not talking about exorcism here. We're talking about day in, day out, moment by moment battles that we all face. And Paul says, you need to put on the armor. God's given it to you in Christ. You need to be in prayer for yourself, for one another. And put on the armor so that you can stand firm. And remember, this is, this is a battle in the mind and the innermost parts of ourselves. Uh, it's a battle of ideas. It's a battle of decisions. And we need to, as Paul says... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And we need to be prayerfully putting on the armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. Let's pray. Father, we come to You now thanking You that You've given us such an arsenal to work with in this life. Uh, That You have not left us alone. That You've given us Your Spirit. That You've given us Your Word. That You've given us Your people. Lord, we are thankful that you have not left us um, unfortified. But you've given us every piece of armor we need to do battle. To stand firm, to not lose ground in our lives, but to take ground from the enemy. As we put on the gospel and as we run into the world uh, to share the good news. Not only uh, with with our lives but also with our, with our words as we proclaim, as Paul said, as we proclaim the mystery of the gospel, how people are made right with you through Jesus. 
Lord, help us to be quick to put on the belt of truth so that all these other pieces of armor may be um, well fortified and strong as we face all the different temptations that we will face even today. Help us to be strong in the Lord, in in the strength of your might, that you may be glorified in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.